Good evening, everybody. Welcome into the Nittany Lions Sports Report. It is live here on Bob Long Sports. Bob Long, alongside me as always, Tyler Gelhaus. And Tyler, maybe since the dawn of the Nittany Lions Sports Report, which actually goes beyond your days back to the early 2010s, maybe the worst loss in, in Penn State football's time frame since that uh, since this show was, was born. A um, lot to talk about. Lots to talk about on the field, lots to talk about off the field. But anyway, you slice it, a nine-overtime defeat against Illinois. There's going to be a lot of blame to go around. There's going to be a lot of what's next. And I want to start you right now. What happened and what's next? Wow. I, I wish I knew the answers to both of those questions, Bob. Um, what happened to me, what I saw was a team that was unprepared. Um, you know, when you have a, an extra week to get ready – we all know what happened in Iowa, tough loss, all that. An extra week to get ready, an extra week for Sean Clifford to get healthier. He obviously wasn't 100%. Um, but just disappointing overall, the fact that you held an Illinois, a terrible Illinois team to under 40 yards passing. Uh, they ran all over you with their backup running back. Um, and you could only manage to get 10, uh, you know, um, Points. Points and regulation, <laughs> regulation points yeah. before going to overtime. And um, well, and you had three takeaways as well. And it just it doesn't add up. Uh, something's not right. They weren't prepared. I don't know where their head is. Uh, you know, it starts with the coach. Who, know, who knows where his, his head is? I mean, we heard him yesterday on the um, Tuesday press conference saying – you know, oh, we're going to the big house this weekend, which is incorrect. And it's okay to get that confused with the horseshoe. I mean, I, I guess that um, – I could see where he's coming from there. But then he's saying, you know, when they, they bring up uh, LSU, USC, this whole agent thing, he goes, oh, I'm just worried, focused on Illinois this week. And it's like, well, Illinois was last week. So he's just – Maybe we found the problem. Fumbling his words a little bit. Um, yeah. Just people start looking into that. And then you're thinking, okay, well – it doesn't seem like he's really prepared. Like where his head's not in it, it appears to be. The team's head probably isn't it. The players. Um, yeah. So I think that's what you're seeing, and I think that's a performance that you saw in the field. I'm not going to say that he lost the locker room or anything like that, but it certainly feels like it's going in that direction. And I hope it doesn't get to that point, but that's that's what it's looking like right now. Um, and and it doesn't get any easier this week. Yeah, I mean, let, let's talk about Illinois for just a minute. I do mean Illinois, by the way. It's easy to get those two <laughs> teams mixed up. That that game, Penn State played against Illinois, my number one takeaway was, was actually about Taquan Roberson. I mean, there's a lot of ways you could go with on-the-field stuff. Sean Clifford, he didn't look good. Uh, the run defense wasn't great. What was the impact of P.J. Mustafer? Right. But, but truly – seeing how poorly Sean Clifford played. And I, that's nothing against the kid, right? I think this kid is one of the toughest kids we've seen come across Penn State. He and Trace have similar um, similar ways of going about their business when it comes to fighting through injury, yeah. fighting through distress. I think he put a Herculean effort out there to try to go play that football game. But what that tells me is how poorly and ill-prepared Taquan Roberson, or maybe just incapable. I don't know. Right. Right. We spent the whole week after Iowa, Tyler, talking about how you have to expect more from Taquan Roberson if he's going to find his way into the game. He was put into a really tough situation. 
sent over the deep end with weights attached to his ankles, and, and there was just no chance he was going to float against Iowa. Now he's got a bye week to work at it, and, and he's going to be the guy against Illinois unless Clifford's really ready to go. Well, guess what? James Franklin not only saw those four quarters worth of Sean Clifford, but also saw him in the days leading up to that in practice and decided this is a better option than Taquan Roberson. That's a huge indictment, if you ask me, on the rest of the quarterback room. Yeah, and and as you know, the quarterback room only has three scholarship quarterbacks as of now, um, with um, Christian Veyer being the third and a true freshman at that. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see moving forward. I mean, there is no confidence in that quarterback room, obviously, uh, behind Sean Clifford right now. And you know, you can't really expect much of a true freshman that had didn't have a senior year of high school to come in and be like ready to go. Taquan Roberson, a little bit of a different story. You think his third year now in the program would at least be a serviceable serviceable backup. It just doesn't appear to be the case. And, um, yeah, it, I guess you can call it a 50 to 75% Sean Clifford is what they picked over 100% Taquan Roberson. I don't know. Did it backfire on him? I don't know. It sure looks like it could have. Um but again, a lot of these issues are issues that I saw early in the season, that you saw early in the season, the running game, the offensive line, and, and here we are. I mean, um, two-game losing streak, losing to arguably the worst team before that game in the Big Ten in Illinois. And, you know, I think we're starting to see the, the impact of injuries and guys out for the year on the defensive line are really starting to take a hit. It is. And this was an Illinois team, Tyler, that was more physical than Penn State. No other way to put it. And and much and and arguably honestly much less talented, but they were just a more physical team on both lines. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. They only threw for forty yards, maybe not even, but they got the job done on the ground. Penn State had no answer, which you know I don't understand how you can't find an answer. Just load the box, um, dare them to throw. And but you know three takeaways and only three points to show it off of that those three takeaways. That's tough. Yeah. No yeah, matter who you're playing. I agree. And I think we can talk all day about the defense and how poorly it played. It did play poorly, but it did give up only 10 points. Exactly. Um, yeah, it, especially the pass defense was, was fine. Um, it was just, they, for whatever reason, right from the start, they could not stop the run. And you had to have known that that's the route that Illinois was going to go. Sure. Yeah, they have a so decent that, running game, a physical uh, Overall, both, both sides of the ball, it was just from top to bottom, you know, Coaches to players, offense to defense. It was just, as you said, since you started doing this show 10-plus uh, years ago, um, this was the most disappointing loss I personally remember. And there have been some disappointing losses. Um, and something about a James Franklin team coming off of a loss that does not resonate well for, for the next game. Yeah. I, I don't really understand – what that is necessarily. Um, Especially you know, with the one to no mentality, it should be, all right, it's out of our system, on to the next one, one to no. Right. But it doesn't appear to be that, at least within the with within the last couple of years. It's like, a, you know, I, I think back to the Ohio State loss in 17, and then they went on the road and had the weather delay loss at Michigan State, which yep. you no business losing that game. And just makes you think, um, I don't know, after, after a bye week and then Illinois at home, it, it looked like a great recipe. It really did, um, and it, and it and it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, and even after all that and three and a half hours worth of whatever we were forced to watch, 
there were many chances to win that football game, including uh, including about three interceptions. They could have had six takeaways. Yeah, I mean Jaquan Brisker mm-hmm. in the overtime period. This is after there was a Philly Philly drawn up to perfection, executed not so much. I get it. Tyler Warren's not throwing the ball for a living or even for an education, if you will, here. But that ball's got to be better thrown. He's wide open. And that, and Put that, some more air and that under was, it. That, that was the, the exclamation point at the end of the day on that on that game for Penn State, at least. That first that overtime. That, combination well, of the miss, was the, pass, and then Brisker not intercepting. Right. And the Philly-Philly was the first play of the third overtime, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Oh, okay. And that's when you go to – I thought that was first. No, because it was a two-point conversion. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. So it was the third overall, but yeah. the first because I didn't. That's what I was getting at. Yes, I didn't yes. know. I didn't know the rules. Oh, the new year. I this did. First, I had yeah. no idea. I have not watched a play um, an overtime I, game yet. I don't know that there, and maybe there has been somewhere in the group of five, but I don't know that there's been a power well, five game that went to a third overtime. I can yet. tell you, it has nothing to do with the result. I don't personally like it. Um, I just think it's it's like ending a, a playoff hockey game. In, in a shootout, or you know, to that extent. And I know you can end a regular season game, but that's a little bit different. But just two point conversion after two point conversion, it's just, just and then you, you're flipping the ends of the field. It just didn't feel like real football. And however the game was going to end, it just it didn't seem right. Yeah. But I, I was not a fan of it. Um, I think the old way was just fine. Well, the straw that broke the camel's back there was two years ago when LSU and Texas A&M played the seven overtimes. They went the whole night. Yeah, that's right. Yep, and the, and seven overtimes takes a much longer period of time than these. And nine and did. that was the thing they said. Oh, this was nine overtimes longest overtime. Well, yes, but in the new overtime era, of course. And how brutal uh, were those overtimes and I those mean, two point attempts? And then, Illinois' quarterback gets hurt, then the backup actually comes in and wins it for him on a pass. The attempts were terrible. The play, the play calling, I, I don't even. It was really, really hard to watch. Like it was almost, it actually became comical, and I did not see that happening at any. I did not think any part of that game was going to be comical, especially at the start the Penn State had to the season. Yeah, but that's they took a nosedive like that halfway through the year. I did not. I did not see that in the cards. Comical's one thing, and I'm with you. And we were texting throughout the game, but even with all that said, a brisker interception or a, a Tyler Warren throw to Sean Clifford, and that comical becomes okay. Got away right. with it. Let's see how healthy we can get Sean Clifford. And I get it, right? The, the we're going to be the, this Penn State team is not going to be favored well against Ohio State. This. Win at the last minute was completely embarrassing, but you know what? They have a strength of record such that if they get it back on the rails, they could still have something here. And of course, they couldn't even do that I, on home at home yeah, on homecoming. I know, it, I know what you're saying. You know, just I, a couple of people just win, just get to the next game. Yeah, and, and while that while that would have been nice, I, I just I don't see a great finish here, and I think it already started. I mean, you still have three top ten games. I don't think Maryland's any pushover if you look at them right now. Um, I guess Rutgers might be the only game on the schedule you can say that's definitely. I think they're going to have to fight to get to 
eight and four, seven and five, and and they're 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 gonna have to fight to get to seven and five. I uh, will say that I hear that because you got three games and against at, top ten. At teams. one point, we were thinking, okay, like this, you know, if you can get to Ohio State undefeated, which was very doable, um, and you maybe lose that, but then you win out, you're, you should be in a good spot still, perhaps. And then even um, when you lose to Iowa, Tyler, I know you weren't thinking this at the time, but right. You get Clifford back three weeks from Ohio exactly. State, right? That, that was... And you win out, and your only loss is to Iowa with your quarterback out. And you go to Indianapolis, and of course, there were a lot of steps before they got to that point, and it feels a lot more daunting now, of course. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it just there's I don't have a good like I'm I'm seeing probably seven and five, maybe eight and four, nine and three would be awesome. I mean, if we're being honest here, I just. It just feels like, you know, they're falling off track. I think there's distractions. Um and and I just it just feels like it's inevitable that it's almost the opposite of what we had last year. The cold start, the hot finish. Now we're kinda going going the opposite. So I don't really like the way this is gonna play out. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't see it being pretty. Starting with this game against Ohio State. No, and there's a lot of negative energy around the program. Which is which is so frustrating because of where we were a month ago. Yep. And just like that, it can it can it can all flip on its head. Yeah. Less than a month ago, right? I mean in the second quarter month ago on we, October the second, things were looking Right. Things were looking great. Yeah, the, the only comp I can think of on the flip side is uh the negative energy at halftime on October first of twenty 16, when they oh, were that, down to Minnesota, okay. and this team was bad, and they were about to yeah. fall to 2 and and that's kind of what changed it, going to overtime. And going to overtime, they won that game, and all of a sudden ripped it off and uh, beat Ohio State in a thriller that year on the blocked kick by Haley, beat Wisconsin, and then, and then went to the Rose Bowl. Um, this feels like the opposite. Yeah. An overtime it, game gone wrong where – you know, on the second of October at halftime, this felt like this it, is it, this is really good. It and it right now it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel right. Like I don't know if it's because let's be honest. I mean, Franklin's name's being thrown out there for USC, LSU. Um, you wonder if any of those schools are cooling on him at all. You do wonder, um, and, and you wonder because Franklin also has played these leverage games. I'm not going to call them games, but, you know, tactics to get more money, not necessarily for himself, but assistance yeah. and and facility. Right. So yeah. I, I can't blame anybody for wanting that part of it. But I just I, – I just – it just – I feel like there's distractions there. And, I mean, I, I don't know how you could blame any of the players for being distracted if they don't know their coach is going to be – And if their coach isn't mentally in it, as we heard at the press conference, and I get it, he's tired, probably hasn't slept much since that loss, but at the end of the day, that's why he's making $5 million a year, and he's just not putting up right now. Yeah. No, and it didn't sound like himself at the press conference. He didn't. We talked about the mistakes he made, but um, just was not as articulate as you'd normally – Hear him, and when and, and obviously, and <laughs> I mean, I, how many times did he say the word "obviously" right. in that press? And, and I'm under the impression that there is definite—I shouldn't say definitely—there is more likely than not conversations still ongoing with 
one of those two open jobs, LSU and USC. Um, how that's going to go, do they cool on him? I don't know. Um, I would like to think that Penn State stays proactive and kind of start getting some feelers out there for if the job, if he does leave and you can kind of get a big name in there, whoever. Um, but it's just crazy well, that we're but, talking about this right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a couple of weeks ago we were – Number two or, well, number three, but... You don't even want to do this, but if he were to leave, why would you not offer Yersich the job? Well, I, you know, that's a good question. Maybe because he has not been a head coach at this level. That would be one reason. Reason number two, the offense hasn't looked great at least the last couple of weeks. Without um, Clifford. I think the cupboard's bare, and he's a guy who's... I, I mean... Franklin's even a great with, recruiter, even but, with but Clifford, though? Yurisich, I mean, Aller is Yurisich's guy. Well, okay, so that's the other thing. Do you, that That's where it gets tricky, especially with the recruiting, because it's been such a good class, and a lot of times they fall apart with coaching changes. Um, obviously, Drew Aller would be the one you don't want to lose. Now, in a perfect world, if James Franklin were to leave and you hire Coach A and Coach A wants to keep Yursich is OC and he wants to stay. That would be a pretty good situation. Doesn't really happen that often, yeah. however. So, yeah. um, I guess what you're saying is, would would you sacrifice um, hiring Yursich and and uh, therefore retaining most of that recruiting class? I would guess, at least on the offensive side of all. I think very highly of Mike Yursich yeah. to begin with. No, I do too. I don't think. I think he's a star at some point at I, this level. I do too, and I I think. Right now, one of the problems, I, I said the offense hasn't looked great. The running game hasn't looked great, and the line hasn't looked great. I think the passing game has looked really good. Yeah. Um, I think there's more to that, whether it's personnel or positional coaches um, that maybe don't fit his style. Yeah. Um, or even the, the running backs, because a lot of the running backs they have right now are the bigger, powerful backs that aren't playing – bigger or powerful and maybe a guy like Nick Singleton comes in and sure quick back big big back but can really run maybe yeah. that's the kind of I don't see you know like Noah Kane struggles and him not bouncing off contact I honestly don't see that as a schematic issue I see that as a potentially a, a coming off injury well issue it's either that or, the but, the, but the line hasn't looked great either in I'll the running game and and that's kind of what I'm hitting at is um you know, they hired Troutwine a couple of years ago, I think actually with Shiraka. Maybe they thought that those two would mesh with their schemes and fund whatever you want to call it, their personnel. But that, that stuff changes when you bring in a new offensive yeah. coordinator, and I yeah. just think sometimes they don't mesh. And that could be what you're seeing here with the run game. It would be very interesting, particularly because uh, – let's take it from Mike Yersich's chair, which – I I don't know that many Penn State fans particularly care about Mike Yurcich's situation personally, besides wanting him to be involved with the program. But he was a long time, not long time, four or five years at, at Oklahoma State. Mm -hmm. Coached for one year as a quarterback's coach at Ohio State. Then jumped down to join Texas. Tom Herman's staff. Right, right. Herman is fired. Sark brings in his guy. He's got no place to go. So Penn State brings him in. 
quite frankly, that was fortunate for Mike Yersich. Yeah. James Franklin was willing to make that power he, play. He's move. always he's always thought highly of him, and he always kind of wanted him on staff, and it just worked out that time. But you could see your situation now where James Franklin leaves to go elsewhere. Now Mike Yersich would likely be given the opportunity to join James Franklin if he if he chose to, but it would be quite the road from Power 5 team to power five team oklahoma state ohio state texas penn state usc question mark or the head coach penn state again right. I, I think being the head coach penn state was is probably not the most likely scenario it might be something that i would consider though if i was in penn state's shoes if i was in sandy barber's shoes right which brings in another consideration which is that eric Barron is retiring at the end of the year, and Sandy Barber's contract is almost up. And TBD, what happens there? But she likely isn't back for another term. And so there's just there's a lot of changing it, parts. Yeah, there are. And it's going to be an interesting final month here um, to season, and not necessarily interesting in a good way on the field, um, as we would have liked the season to end in, in very meaningful games. But, I mean, these, these rumors aren't going to be put to rest until James Franklin puts them to rest, and – he doesn't put him the rest or yeah. has not put him the rest. So And will not. It's going to keep going on and on um, until who knows when. Uh, we talked about this a little bit offline, but you know, let's talk about it now, only because you mentioned his name. That's Drew Waller. So next year, um, Sean Clifford and Penn State both have a mutual decision to make, um, and certainly either one of these parties can nix the possibility. But Sean Clifford can come back for a sixth year. We've talked about the NIL name, image, and likeness and whether if he's not really in a position to be drafted highly or at all uh, or maybe would be a free agent pickup after the draft from an NFL team. Okay, that compared to becoming like a Kenny Pickett-type guy next year at Pitt and, and the marketability that comes with that from a name, image, and likeness perspective. Could he make more money or could he be better off coming back for one year and then considering the NFL after a nice year? I don't know. Not only his decision, though. That could be Penn State's decision. But if he doesn't come back, Taquan Roberson, who's to say? Probably not a part of right. the long-term situation going forward. Christian Veyer, don't really know much about him. And then two guys that are much more highly rated than Veyer coming in, and Drew Aller. And let's not forget about Bo Previula, who might be the best quarterback in the state of Pennsylvania, both from a prospect perspective and how he's performing this year at the high school level. Um, I don't know. And, and we talk about McCord a lot and you said offline, Hey, listen, I'd rather have Oller than McCord. Um, you know, I, th that's the situation is our Penn state fans or would a Penn state coaching staff be comfortable putting a true freshman Oller or Perbula out there at quarterback because short of a transfer portal and that's an option or Sean Clifford returning that very well may be your net best option next year. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I would say if, Drew Aller stays committed here. He would probably be the guy over Prabula. Um, he's just a little bit more ready to go right now. Uh, I think Prabula actually still has a – he might have to wait a little bit, but I think that he could still have a pretty good career at Penn State. But And could play a different position. He could. He could. He's very athletic in that in that aspect. Um, it, it, it's going to be really interesting, and we've been saying this for a while, but now it's even getting more interesting with how the quarterback room could shake out next year. I mean, we went from saying, oh, I wonder if a transfer is going to come in to which one of our two guys are going to, Sean Clifford, and does another quarterback transfer out. 
there are so many different options here. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, you really can't even begin to guess because You're we're right. we're here banking on a couple of weeks ago Drew Aller, and now if we're being honest, I'm not saying he's going to decommit, but if if Franklin leaves and Yursich leaves, that that changes everything. I would say everything. So. I would say so. so. <laughs> it'll be interesting for sure. I don't know that Perbula necessarily right would decommit, but I think Aller quite possibly could. Yep. Um, and that and that would really be unfortunate just because it seems like Penn State may have finally found their guy at quarterback that they've been looking for pretty much forever, um, at least. You know, because Trace McSorley. It's a little early. Well, Trace McSorley wasn't the uh, the highly rated number one quarterback in the country. It worked out for Penn State. Um, no, and the guy right before him, it didn't work out. And I, I know he's not – Drew Aller isn't Christian Hackett. Right, right. But yep. um, there was that type of enthusiasm for him coming in in that mm-hmm. recruiting class. You know, when it comes to Clifford – you mentioned it, and I didn't even bring it up, but you're right. He could pull an Antonio Shelton where you exhaust your eligibility, but you have one more year because of yeah. COVID, and you could transfer to another Power 5 school. I didn't necessarily see that coming with Shelton. It seems to have worked yeah, out I for didn't him. Either. Right. Um, sure would have been nice to have him on the defensive interior line right now, mm-hmm. but uh, – you're right. Clifford could choose to do that and could choose to go to a different type of offense. He's going to have some good options. I mean, he's either going to get to come back to Penn State, capitalize on NIL. He's going to get to go for the NFL, try out for the NFL, get drafted hopefully, or transfer somewhere else and probably get an NIL deal there. So there's much worse options and possibilities, but he's in a pretty good spot, I'd say. He is. The only thing as well is he has his brother Liam – on yes. campus, and that could be something pulling him back for one more year. Again, I, it's not yeah. just his call, though, Tyler. Right. It's Penn State's call as exactly. well. Exactly. Yep. So, I, I don't know. I I keep throwing the McCord line out there. I, I, I There's nothing to it other than I know he was interested. It would make sense. Um, before he committed to Ohio State. Right. And it was an offensive scheme issue. Well, guess what? Mike Yurcich was the quarterback's coach when McCord was a junior. Exactly. So <laughs> he, he committed to Mike Yurcich and, and Ohio State. Not Mike Yurcich exclusively, but Mike Yurcich and Ohio State, that was a part of it. And now you got four quarterbacks in there with freshman eligibility at five stars coming out of high school. Something's got to Crowded give. room. Crowded, Crowded room. Good problem to have, too, for Ohio State. Yeah. And, again, there's nothing – there's nothing that I or I think you are hearing to that end. It's just something that I think would make sense. It would. And crazier things have happened. Nothing would surprise me anymore, especially with the transfers. How you can you don't have to sit out um, and all that. And I think it's good. I think it's good for the game to a certain extent. But a lot of coaches aren't going to like it pretty soon when their when their depth chart is taking a massive hit. Yeah. But they get paid the big bucks. Boy, this has been a wide-ranging discussion, huh? A, a, a we haven't even talked about Ohio State yet. No, and I think it's probably time. <laughs> but but everything from this Penn State defense struggling against the run to the offense not producing, the turnover battle not coming in their favor, a referendum on Taquan Roberson, a question about Sean Clifford, a question about James Franklin's future, what would Mike Yurcich's role be, who can they bring in the transfer portal, mm. and would Sean Clifford return for his sixth year? Boy, it's a good start to the podcast there. Something to think about. Wow. That's a lot, and and we haven't even talked. And as we just (laughs) said, I'm just hoping that Saturday night doesn't get ugly. Yeah. Because I think it has a feeling of that right now. I think so, too. Listen, you're traveling to the shoe. 
Not the big house. Turn around and come home. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to the game. Yeah. I mean, listen. Uh, C.J. Stroud is playing on another level right now. Franchise. Well, not, not even fringe, but right. in the mix for a potential Heisman Trophy with a good second half of the season here. Ohio State right back in the mix and certainly the favorite out of the Big Ten to make the college football playoff. And it seems like when they lose a game early on, they're actually better later as the season goes on. And um, you're Compare seeing that Compare that to... Losing your first game against Iowa and then dropping one to Illinois. Right, exactly. It, they just they catch fire. They're hitting their stride. Um, C.J. Stroud, you mentioned, is playing really well. Uh, Trivion Henderson is probably one of the top running backs in all of college football. He's only a freshman. A freshman, yeah. It's it's going to be extremely tough. I keep thinking back to who one of those years with Allen Robinson and. Hackenberg and it was 63 to 14 yeah and Robinson had a nice touchdown where it was a screen and he ran side to side to side and finally scored and that was a night game um wasn't there one uh with McGloin as well and maybe this is the game you're talking about where at halftime it was sort of tight and he said something to Kirk Herbstreit about how oh you know you're not taking us seriously like take that and then Ohio State outscored him something like 35 nothing in the second that half. Could Do you have remember been that game? But he said that as a player or as a – As a player, he was the quarterback. It was not the same game then because – Another 63-14 game. Right, yeah. It just – listen, I mean, it, it, it. I think Penn State right now we can call up 17, 17.5 point underdogs. I just hope if they can cover that, that'd be great because if not, it's going to get ugly. It could get ugly right from the start. Talent, we talked about talent. We're talking about the lines. Um, I actually think Penn State, as far as skilled position groups go, on both, if you take wide receivers, secondary, I think they're okay in that battle. But when you're coming down to the, the offensive line, um, defensive line is just decimated right now at Penn State. Um, and you factor all other lingering rumors, issues, it, it feels like it's going to be a blowout. I'm on a similar wavelength with you there, Tyler, honestly. And I thought this – I thought Penn State wouldn't have a chance even after their loss to Iowa. Yeah, in the third and, quarter and the Illinois Iowa. game obviously <laughs> changes some things, um, but more or less just where this – where they are in a mental state of mind right now. So one thing that was said – there were a lot of things said in the James Franklin press conference this week, Tyler, is that Sean Clifford is 100%. And then he reiterated that Which today. means last week he was not. Well, we know that. <laughs> right. There is no chance that Sean Clifford is 100% going into this game well, against Ohio State. James Franklin said that two days right. after Sean Clifford couldn't even get up after getting hit. Get out of here. And, and that's the other thing is against Illinois, they weren't, he wasn't able to run. And that's when he's best when he's at least not necessarily running, but able to use that as a threat. Sure. I don't even think he was planting. Th I mean, he wasn't even planting well, which means the mechanics were off. He mm. wasn't accurate. It was ugly. It was ugly. The weather was bad. It was ugly. No other word. Yeah. So uh, there's no chance that he is, from my lips to your, you know, wherever you're listening to this, there's no chance that Sean Clifford is 100%, period. Mm -mm. Period. Nope. And uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, I really don't. I think this is a very difficult game. I think if Penn State, and this is a very reasonable take for a lot of fans, and we've heard it, and I don't entirely disagree. If Penn State cannot beat Illinois at home, 
with a quarterback throwing for 40 yards, who can they and who will they beat? I, I, you know, I don't know. If Penn State scores no, 10 points off three turnovers against a cruddy right. team, who will they beat? You know, that's a really good question. And They're going to have to play a lot better than that <laughs> to beat anybody. Even even Rutgers, who was the weakest opponent on their schedule, that that's all of a sudden going to be a, a tight game. You know? Yeah. And it and I think Ohio State, like I said, they're hitting their stride. I think they're going to win the Big Ten. I think they're going to go to the college football playoff. Um, I just hope, I just hope Penn State can make it respectable at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, is not what I thought I would have been saying after they beat Indiana. At least I, I, I still thought this would be a tough game, but this spiral, spiraling out of control, downward is just. It's it, a very. It shows you how important a quarterback <clears throat> that is, though, right? I mean, well, even multiple quarterbacks. Well, sure, you know, of course, of it's course. the most important, arguably the most important position in all of sports. So Sean Clifford can play, but doesn't have the physical tools to run or be as accurate throwing the ball. Well, who does that neutralize? I don't know. The best receiver in the Big Ten potentially, Jahan Dotson. Uh, certainly, your running game because the other team can stack the box a little bit more. It inhibits the play calling of Mike Yursich, and it puts a lot more pressure on the defense, both from a number of plays they have to be out there and from a field position perspective. So, yeah, a quarterback not being able to throw the ball has a huge impact. It's why it's the most important position on the field, certainly. Well, if you could run for 300 yards, it wouldn't be as bad of an impact, as big of an impact like Illinois did. Um, but you can't run the ball, so you're relying on a gunslinger really back there that's hurt. Uh, in poor conditions, I mean, that's that's it. Yep, simple as that. You know, your your playmakers, Parker Washington, right, Keandre Lambert Smith. These guys are playmakers. Johnson, the biggest one of them all, and they can't get involved because if yeah. you're not throwing well, a catchable ball, and, and Dotson's and Dotson's biggest play of the game was a literally a how it wasn't a literal how Mary, but. Uh, Clifford throws off his back foot. A it's in like triple yeah. coverage. He he just catches it, and that was that was pretty much it. I mean, that was the best offensive play of the game, and, and that was, led to the slant touchdown. Did. And and that's Lambert all Smith, and that's all they got. Yeah, and at one point, Penn State was up ten nothing, and it didn't look like it was going to be like pretty by any stretch at that point. But that's it, ten points in in one half, and that's all you can show. And then, of course, the, the never-ending overtime. Yeah. It's just bad it, football. Yeah, and it got to the point in the latter stages of the game where you just didn't feel like Penn State had a chance to move the ball down the field with any uh, <laughs> meticulousness, it methodical nature. It, it had to be a big chunk. You're hoping for a big chunk play and hoping that the defense bent but didn't break, hoping that the Illinois kicker was missing field yep. goals. I mean, hoping that the refs would throw another flag on an Illinois touchdown to bring it back, yeah, just for them to go right. again, score, bring it back. Oh my God! True, really, probably the worst loss that I can remember. Um, I'd have to really go through and and look into the the few the past games a little bit more, but this is as bad as it yeah. gets. Listen, it, it it is fair to be disappointed with the team. Um, it is fair to be disappointed with the coaching staff. Uh, there is some vitriol online. That's a little bit too much, right? I mean, at the end of the day, um, these are folks that are trying to do a job just like you and me, Tyler, uh, in a slightly different context. and uh, Slightly different pay as well. So, uh, <laughs> I, I hear you, and I, I, 
I think that engenders some of that anger and hostility. But um, but at the end of the day, what we can all agree on and what James Franklin would agree on is it's not good enough, not even close. And this season takes on an entirely new context now after that loss. And so now what we're talking about is Okay, can a miracle happen at Ohio State? No. Uh, there are two <laughs> other. There are two other top ten matchups. Do they have a chance in either of those games? Mm. And who is Penn State going to beat if they cannot beat Illinois at home with a coach that was embroiled? I guess he's fine now, but called out his too deep offensive line and called out those kids that he had recruited. All of a sudden, he's a hero in Champagne. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, you know, it's it's really unbelievable that we're sitting here today having this conversation, um, not only about the Big Ten title not being in play, uh, but talking about a loss to Illinois. And it is a 7:30 game, um, ABC, and and for Penn State fans, it'll be over. 745. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, what Ohio State's done really well against Penn State and just about everybody else, by the way, they've come out and they've punched Penn State in the mouth. The last and they're going to do it. That's there. what they're going to try to do again. You know, they get the ball. They get the running game going. They started with a jet sweep on the first or second play last year during COVID. Took it either to the house or to the one-yard line and scored a play later. Oh, my God. Really, from there on, Tyler, it That was, game was over. I mean, running downhill, Ohio State – Played great football. Uh, I would expect the same thing from Ryan Day. I think Ryan Day is one of those coaches. I'll take Ryan Day over Urban Meyer any day. We talked about that last year. You know, maybe now uh, that opinion is a little bit more. Even more, uh, right. Yeah. But <laughs> Urban Meyer, for everything that he did, I, I felt like he didn't get enough out of his talents, which is, I guess, a corollary to the way a lot of Penn State fans feel about this particular coaching staff. But – I felt that Urban Meyer didn't get as much out of his talent. Granted, NCAA, or, uh, BCS and college football playoff titles to boot, no doubt. But uh, but this Ryan Day-led team has been blowing out Penn State at every opportunity. They have been more convincing and a higher margin of victory against Big Ten opponents than they had in the years of Urban Meyer. And they don't, they haven't really had the duds, the Purdue's, the unranked Iowa's, the blowouts that they've had in years past yeah, against other Big right. Ten opponents. Now it's also year three for him, so we'll give him time to incur some of those losses. But Ohio State appears to be held head and shoulders above the rest of the Big Ten. We thought maybe that wasn't the case when they lost to Oregon, but guess what? You're working in a redshirt freshman quarterback. Not that there aren't some demons still deep in the closet there somewhere for C.J. Stroud, but this is looking more like – the <laughs> JT Barrett, the Cardale Jones, the Braxton Miller, and now the Justin Fields, and now the C.J. Stroud-led Ohio State Buckeyes. It's it's looking all the more familiar in Columbus. and yep. They're rolling. Uh, I just don't see the gap condensing any time. Not this year. This year, at least. Nope. And probably not next year because, again, they're the ones that have five freshmen, five or four freshmen, five-star quarterbacks on the roster. And Penn State's the one with three scholarship quarterbacks, one that can play, and that one isn't healthy. 
That's just it's a different wavelength, Tyler. A it is a different situation altogether. Yeah, and it's frustrating because, you know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, you had a really good chance to go three in a row. Um you blew, you know, seventeen and eighteen and uh double digit points in late in the game. Um and ever since then Ohio State has widened the gap. Um and I I see that being the trend again this year, unfortunately. So we're not doing picks tonight, but you want to do one pick? Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll say um, Ohio State's going to cover the 17 and a half, we'll say. I think Ohio State will win, I'll say 42 to 10. Okay, I had 35-10 in mind. Okay. Yeah. So that's still the – Where are the 10 points going to come from? They scored 10 against Illinois. Uh, maybe we'll go – a lot of possessions. How about that? Yeah, more the turnover, and you get the ball at like the three, and it <laughs> takes four downs to punch it in. Late in the game. <laughs> oh, man. Second effort from Noah Kane? Yeah. Nah, of course not. After a reviewed, and they'll call in the field stands. There you go. There you go. <laughs> okay, folks, that uh, was not the most enlightening show, but uh, I think it effectively took us through everything that's happened in the last four days from Illinois through to the James Franklin press conference. We didn't really hit the Jimmy Sexton news. Um, he changed agents, but it came out that that had happened over the summer. Uh, some some well-tapped-in reporter decided to throw gas onto a fire mm-hmm. and to, to release it the, the, the day before his well done press by that conference reporter. and two days after they lost to Illinois. Yeah. Um, really, really makes you think, huh? <laughs> so uh, James Franklin, a guy who hates distractions – Somehow, there's a bunch they of them always find around them. the program yeah. right now. But he hates them. Just yeah. let the record show he there hates you go. distractions. You know, listen, I, I'll, I'll close with this, Tyler. You know that I've been the, the Franklin defender, and you have to a large extent as well. But I, I really think that Franklin is the right guy for this program, have for a very long time, and still do. But he's not helping himself right now. Mm-mm. He's not helping himself right now. And uh, and that's a loss that can happen. He'll tell you the same thing. Yeah, I I uh, I'm slowly coming off that Franklin train. I want him to be that because of where he's gotten the program and the recruiting places. But you're right; he's almost like his own worst enemy at times. And you just can't have that around your football program. Every every year, it's is he going to take this job? Is he going to take that job? And it's hard to build a culture, you know, a, a strong program when you're like, all right, is, is coach going to leave, do, you know, as a recruit, do I have to keep my other options open in case he leaves? Like this comes up every year. And yeah, you know, at some point you have to think, yeah, he's going to leave if this keeps coming up every year. Right. If so, Penn State doesn't match whatever he's being offered. Well, and, and that's is- the other thing, not to continue this going, but I mean, how can you even expect some sort of, raise or anything after, like, for negotiating purposes after that last week, that's that's tough if you're going to try to negotiate after that. I agree. And I know there's more to it, but that that's really tough. I agree with you 100%. It's, it's a difficult, difficult situation, and it's difficult for somebody like USC and LSU to convince exactly. their donors. So that, that it's going to be extremely interesting to see how this plays out the next couple of weeks, months, however long. So we always end this show by saying, enjoy the football, <laughs> and we'll talk to you next week. 
You can watch the football if you want. We'll talk to you about it next week. <laughs> He's Tyler Galhouse. I'm Bob Long. This has been the Nittany Lions Sports Report. Take care, everyone. Dunphy Ford is Mayfair's neighborhood Ford store. Nobody knows your neighborhood like Dunphy Ford. Nearly 40 years. Right here on Frankfurt Avenue. Generation after generation, our neighbors continue to be our customers. We have access to the cars and trucks you want with financing you need. Dunphy Ford is Northeast Philly's first choice for America's number one brand. 7700 Frankfurt Avenue in Mayfair. Online at www.dumpyford.com. Come experience the Dunphy difference. You'll be glad you did.